Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Tell us who you are and uh, talk about your dog life journey. Okay, so uh, my name is Brian Murphy and I'm from Dublin, Ireland. And I guess, uh, you know, I always had a fascination with dogs and I hear my uh, mom's stories and her dad. He always had gun dogs and uh, German Shepherds and even an elk hound at one point. You know, these stories kind of were fascinating. And I always had a kind of good respect for dogs. I was kind of scared of them as well as a little kid, right? You know, my uncle would have a big German Shepherd. I was kind of terrified of it, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, but always interested in them. And then, uh, you know, one time we just found a little uh, Jack Russell dog. She was abandoned, I guess. She was about 10 months old on the street. And we we uh, uh, convinced my dad to take her in, and that was it. And what a good, good dog that was. Uh, She lived to about 16, and uh, when I was a young kid, took her everywhere with me. We go, you know, to the parks and the, the beach and everything. And she was a real proper working dog. She'd go to, you know, she found a hole, she'd go down it. She would get anything that moved, kind of thing, right? She mice and rats and the you know, the odd cat here and there, right? And birds. She can pluck the bird right out, right out of the, the sky, right? It was those little swallows? Wow. Like pretty low to the ground. She she managed to snatch one up. And um, she'd go down the holes and, uh, actually the holes, which I didn't know at the time, I was just a kid, were actually badger holes. She'd be down there for 45 minutes and you could hear her kind of barking down there. It was only years later I met a guy who, uh, you know, told me, you know, there are badger holes and she's down there trying to pull the badgers out. They're trying to get them to come out. Right? But she was a smart little dog, never got injured or anything like that, thank God. She was smart enough to stay and I what was down there but to stay away from any danger right yeah. and, it, and through her then you'd meet all these other people and dogs right the more working terrier people and uh, Staffordshire Bull Terrier people and then um, you know a little bit older then I had experience training dogs so people would notice that I had a good way with dogs I trained uh, so we had it was two uh, pit bull terrier dogs that I trained they were fantastic real type of pit bulls actually one was a rescued uh previous pit dog himself and uh, I did some good work with them and I really fell in love with that breed at that time still am I still admire them uh, mm -hmm. but I've uh, never never uh, had one since those since I trained those dogs and uh, that led into uh, somebody asked me to train a Rottweiler and uh, he was a fantastic dog trained him up pretty nice and they actually sold him to security uh, for which was sad for me but I guess They couldn't keep them anymore, and it was a good place for them to go. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, close, I was close to kind of getting into Rottweilers that way. Never kind of uh, happened. And then um, I trained a few other breeds, right? A few shepherds and stuff like that. Now, again, I'm only very young at this age. I'm just a young teen, like mm. 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And it um, turned out, so boxers kind of just came into me. Uh, my dad's friend, he had... Um, He had a stroke and he couldn't use his uh, left arm or, or leg at one point. And um, my dad said, you know, I have a son who's into dogs, he'll, he'll walk your dog for you. 
so I went up and I thought yeah great a boxer oh, all I seen of the boxers was on TV and I they were an impressive looking dog mm-hmm. I get there I get to the guy's house and uh, you know he says okay he's at the, he's at the back come out, come out and meet the dog and this huge dog comes up from the back of the field like a Turner and Hooch uh, movie clip with the jaws flopping and <laughs> coming charging coming charging at me I thought whoa what a, what a dog what a specimen and uh, that was Artie his name was and uh, yeah so I started walking him I took over basically caring for that dog for the rest of his life so the dog was about four years old I started looking after him and then I couldn't wait to get my own one and it was like well my parents you know if you can if you can uh, manage to get the money up to pay for your own one you can have one so I did and I got my first boxer maybe about a year and a half after that wow. and from there on it was uh, that was it I was stuck into the boxer world so yeah, that's my story with that. Then I kind of, yeah, with the boxers, um, got into it, got straight into the uh, show world things. But uh, also reading all the history, you know, I was big into the working side. Uh-huh. But I never had, there was no clubs or anything like that to, to go to, right? I didn't even know what Shutsan was, just was training obedience. And uh, and then doing the show stuff on the side, right? And that was, was uh, good. And then I had some bad luck with my own stuff. My, my first, that young dog, he got, um, he actually was hit by a car in an accident. And was, uh, he was killed and then I had, I got a female and she was great. And I got another male down straight away after that. And uh, I had bad luck with the breed. She had, she ended up having a kidney uh, disease after she had her first litter. And uh, she died pretty young, four-year-old dog. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was a very, a very well-trained up dog. And then the more I seen in the magazines and stuff like that, there was uh, somebody wrote about uh, these European dogs doing shut on, so I started looking up the details and the regulations and all that, and I trained by myself in the field and trained up my own dogs so I, as best I could, right? Which mm-hmm. you realize when you get to an actual club that mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't uh, as, as good as you thought, right? Right. At the, at the time, I did what I could. So yeah, that's kind of my journey. I did a bit of, yeah, was showing, and now I'm, now I'm uh, right into the working aspect of it. I don't show anymore. Um, I moved here, moved to Canada, what, six years ago. I brought over a female shortly after I came here. A European bred dog to my friends back in Ireland. And uh, found a, took a while to find a good Shetland club. I did find some that I didn't agree with their methods of training. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go back to and then I found a pretty good club and I uh, you know really got on with the same um, understanding and methods that I I, I agree with mm-hmm. so I, we went from there and she ended up being the first titled uh, boxer in Canada which was a surprise to me kind of but then wow but then also not really a surprise because the American dogs never really worked right they never really got into it they kind of went into the show world only and now where I'm at now is I bred I bred that female and I have a uh, uh, young dog just turned a year old and he's a top working uh, prospect so have high ambitions for that dog awesome and that's really where we're at right now and training him up yeah can you uh so that's kind of my my brief history in dogs yeah, yeah. <laughs> well 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 I should say also in between that that's just my my dog that I've, I've owned and stuff also I've had uh, you know thankful for friends that have had other breeds and allowed me to get some uh some experience with other breeds without actually owning the dogs at my own place, right? Uh-huh. So we had the likes of, uh, you know, uh, Silly Ham Terriers, which was an interesting one. They're actually a pretty nice dog. Um, Staffordshire Bull Terriers were really nice. And they had, I was actually involved in them 
pretty heavily. Got to know all the pedigrees and the dogs, and I had, um, you know, he would ask me for uh, breeding advice and what dog to use and all that stuff. And that was pretty good. You select the puppies and all that. So I had good experience with the staff. So that was that was enjoyable. And then French bulldogs even as well for a short time. <laughs> Some, uh, yeah, and carry carry blues at one point. Uh, Oh really? So I had kind of experience with a few different, maybe terriers and bulldogs kind of stuff. Right, right, right. So when I, the experience with the pit, with the kind of pit bull dogs and the Stavanger balls, I thought they were you know they were fantastic dogs, agile and athletic and stuff. But uh, a little on the small side for me, I wanted a kind of bigger dog. And then the opposite was then with the Rottweiler. I thought he was maybe a little bit too big and heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of wanted something in between. And the boxer. Uh, you know, it was just perfect for me at that, that time. He was, you know, as an active, very, very active kid, especially as a teenager, very, very active. So I wanted a dog that could be out with me for hours, right? Right. I'd not get tired. And also a dog that's not going to get into too much trouble. Like a lot of the, the staffy type dogs were, you know, looking for trouble kind of stuff, right? Or if a, a stray dog, we did have a lot of stray dogs as well. You have to think, right? Yeah. You didn't want your dog getting in fights all the time. So Boxer was a little bit better. Not always, now they were no saint either. I had a few that were, you know, but easy to get into a, a tangle. Right. But yeah, for me, but 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 the power of the Boxer with the, you know, the agility that they brought was fantastic. I was just uh, in order with them, right? I loved their luck. The presence of them was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That was just the dog for me, yeah. Once I, and then once I got to train that dog, Artie, you know, that really did it for me. His personality, the temperament of that dog was, you know, super. Right. So, uh, yeah, he, he kind of, I owe it all to my dad's friend, but, yeah. So that's it, really, yeah. So their, their athleticism, their, their luck, their uh, trainability, their temperament, like, they're not, like, other working dogs, like the shepherds and stuff like that. They're not as, uh, you know, as sharp as those breeds. Right. So, I mean, you can take them right off protection phase and, you know, my son can be sitting right next to them, right? Right. Go, go play with him for a bit. Right. And then the same, same as the house. They're a great guard dog, but they don't alert them necessarily, right? They're not, like, barking at everything. It's only when something you know, seems, like, really kind of strange to them. Right. Well, our guard instinct kind of kick in. And, and yeah, I just prefer a dog that they're easier to live with, right? Yeah. Uh, then a dog, a dog on the hand. You can have people over. You can have like my my son roughhouses with them all the time. You know that's going to happen with them. Mm-hmm. Just uh, yeah, they kind of combine all the uh, yeah. That, I think that side comes from the kind of bulldog history, right? Yeah, definitely. That kind of that kind of toler that kind of tolerance. Yeah. Then when you need them to kick into gear, they have it. Yeah, sure. So there's actually three types of. In the world, you can kind of break them into three different types. Okay. So you'd, you'd have the you'd have the English type boxer, and then you'd have the American, and then you'd have kind of the European, and then I guess now you could kind of split, split off or splinter off a, a working European type as well, right? Right. Although it's very they are very very connected with the show dogs as well, right? There's no kind of there's no split working line, right? Well, right. There's enough working dogs. So the English dog is for me, uh, you know, is a nice looking dog. They've gone uh, a little. They're kind of in the middle between the European and the American type, and mainly because they've used a lot of those dogs. They've imported a lot of uh, European dogs and American dogs, especially uh, you know back in, in the past, in the beginning. So they'd have different uh, influences, right? They kind of blended them well. Mm-hmm. The, the the main thing for me, and I've had English dogs as well, is um, they're not working dogs at all. 
are very very soft dogs are really dulled down um, you know at the point where you could you know somebody could probably just jump your wall and pet the dog on the head right and, uh, <laughs> yeah they're very they're very soft they're very soft um, they've kind of lost a bit of type their heads are normally a little wet like with wrinkles and the muzzles are very very overly padded it's not really the bone underneath mm-hmm. it's more padding um, yeah and just very just a very soft character dog right they're not they're not a working dog really um, the American dog again wasn't worked since they were brought to the country right they were kind of the focus was on show dogs the thing I like about them is they still they still kept a tight jacket the tight coat and the, and the muscle type mm-hmm. the taunt kind of uh, muscle right mm-hmm. which is very important the other side though is they've gone very elegant so they've gone away from the strength of the dog right mm-hmm. they've gone kind of very show type I mean some of the dogs are the width of a piece of paper right and, mm-hmm. and again that's kind of harsh swell because a lot of the show dogs you see in the ring are all young dogs right they're not they're not I think they should wait till they're you know three years old four years old to be shown them a lot of them are very young and they're making champion at a, at a young age and uh, you know they just don't look like a an adult dog right they're very thin mm-hmm. the other thing about the American dogs is they're gone they're, they're tall right they've gone very tall a lot of air underneath them yeah so basically the American dogs have uh, gone kind of too elegant uh, you know too tall they could do reducing the size a little bit mm-hmm. but they do have but they have the muscle type and the skin coat type that is you know important also they have good necks and their heads are pretty good like the proportion of the muscle to the to the head now when I say the heads are good they're not good and that's in the sense of like exactly to the standard but the proportions are good yeah. they could do a better expression um, better skull skull is not great it's often very flat so you could do it a bit of a curve on that but uh, but if you really uh, if you really want to get back to what the standard says the square look the square type well they have it more so and then you go so then you go to the Europe your European type and what you have now is because this they've gone very heavy mm-hmm. they've gone they've gone very especially like these show dogs I'm talking about the bone in the front legs is huge right the paws are actually starting to turn out left and right right yeah uh, starting to bend near the pasturing which is not good it should be dead straight legs um, yeah chests are very deep and heavy back end is kind of weak and you know I look at a lot of these dogs and think could they jump the meter uh, hurdle I don't think so right no and certainly if they jumped it once they, but they wouldn't jump it more right? and then their faces their heads have gone really bad they're, they're fascinated at all I think it's like a cheap mode to get the width so to get the width they go shorter so the muzzles have gotten very, very short. You know, some of them are extremely short, and the heads are gone rounded, so they kind of try and get the proportion close to being right. But it's really just distorting the whole type of dog. I mean, it's, it's described as being square, square head with a square muzzle, and you can't really describe an item as square. They're rounded. You know, round heads and round muzzles now. Yeah, the good thing is the temperament differences. So to show the English dogs have gone very, very soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm talking about, like uh, you know, uh, the majority of the dogs. Right, there's obviously some good dogs there. Yeah. But the majority of dogs have gone very soft. Um, the American dogs. I don't really have great experience in training an American dog. What I've seen out and about is um, they're kind of immature dogs. They don't really have a working uh, sense about them. Yeah, they're kind of silly. They're kind of you know puppy-like. 
the uh, European dog sure can work. And it goes back to the history of the dogs, right? They all had to, you know, first they were developed in Germany, and, and, and uh, you know they were developed as a working dog, as a, or a war dog, as it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the European dog. So you got to like they've they've always had. Um, you know they had they have to have a working title to be uh, bred, right? right? So at least one parent has to have an IPO or, or an IGP now uh, title, right? Mm-hmm. Which kept some kind of working qualities in a lot of the show dogs, which is good. So you get a lot of show dogs. Some of them just don't have the opportunity to be working dogs, right? Mm-hmm. But they but they definitely have the ability and the temperament to do it. So that's for sure. So the working dogs, mm-hmm. the uh, European dogs, have always kind of kept that working ability. And then you have the other side to do the European dogs, which are, which are kind of dogs that were sport dogs, right? They have a long history, good pedigrees, you know, the top level, which is um, IGP3 now. And then, uh, you know, they show at their national level or regional regional level, national level, world level. And, uh, you know, you get a pedigree with dogs with all uh, IGP3 in them, and the dog is... You know, most of them are fantastic working dogs, right? Mm-hmm. But then the problem also with the boxers is, it's like you need to get the right handler as well with them, right? So you have people that you know, you don't have many Malinois or Shepherd handlers taking on a boxer, right? No. So you gotta, you gotta kind of go with the experience of the handler and the level of training that's put into the dog. And then you also you kind of have to separate uh, the training from uh, the training from the dog, right? So you kind of pick up those little things and see what, you know, what the dog is really about or what he's not about. So yeah, so the so the difference for me is big one is the is the temperament, the working ability. Right. And the European dogs definitely have it. English dogs not so much, and the same with the Americans. And then all the types are all, they've all kind of gone their own kind of way, right? Right. And that's the show world kind of dictates that, right? And, yeah. What's the flavor of the month? Who's the you know the popular dog with a popular owner gets more service kind of stuff, right? That's yeah. always the way it's been since the start, since the dog, since the the German club was created, right? There's right. been uh, arguments and splinter groups and split ups, right? Right, right from the start. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so, well, it's well, it's well documented, right? In the, the BK uh, Boxer Club Germany. A lot of stuff is, is well documented, and then there's a stud box to you know show the pictures of the type of dogs and all that. Uh-huh. But basically, the dog was there was three uh, people mainly involved, right? It was a, a guy called his surname Robert uh, Koenig and uh, Hoppner. Uh, forgive me uh, if I'm pronouncing them really terribly, but they're they're the main guys. So the guy Robert, he had dogs, he had uh, Airedale Terriers, and uh, basically he wanted to you know, produced this kind of uh, German uh, bred dog, uh, war dog. And he kind of, he likes the Airedales, but kind of found they were probably wanting in courage a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you had the other two guys, uh, Koenig and, um, and Hopner, uh with the same idea. So they kind of approached Robert and they got, they got their plan going. So they wanted to create, you know, a German uh, military dog, I guess. And um, the, the dogs at the time they used would have been, so you have to go back to the Spanish type of bulldog, right? Which is like uh, the Alano today, I guess, was yeah. a recreation Yeah. Uh, the older dog. So these Spanish uh, Mastiff dogs, you know, would have been brought through Europe, to, to Germany and France. And uh, they were kind of a, 
a running type mastiff, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Or a large type uh, bulldog, and bulldog is in the term of like, you know, closer to a pit bull mm -hmm. than a, mm -hmm. a margin dog, right? So they used the, you know, the, so the French dog or Dr. Bourdain, which was, you know, pretty close to the old, um, if you look at the really old photographs of those dogs, you can see the boxer in them. Mm -hmm. Not the not the heavier dog with the with the heavier head, but the older type, uh, more functional dog, which again was probably more Spanish than anything, right? So you had that, and then you had them crossed with uh, the English bulldog, which was kind of, and you know your bulldogs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong as well, but the Philo Cone uh, type of bulldog, uh -huh. which is like pro probably like the first. You know, change in the in the bulldog where the face starts to get shorter and the body more squat mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it was, it was at those earlier changed uh, bulldogs, so bred with the uh, existing kind of Spanish type of dog, which was called a bull invader, which was just German for bull biter, which mm -hmm. is what the Spanish dog does, right? Controls cattle. The boxer itself was never used. You hear all these stories are used. They were bred for boar hunting and all this stuff. Well, they weren't really. They were. I mean, their ancestors were, and I'm sure some boxers have done it. Like, uh, I know they have. I've seen some Australian purebred boxers and some purebred boxers in the States doing it, right? Uh, those videos have been removed from YouTube, but they were there at one point. Yeah, I've seen them. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, certainly, certainly some of the, the boxers, uh, you know, would have been into that, but they weren't bred for that. They were bred to be military dog with these guys, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, you know, those guys had to foresee what they wanted, right? They wanted a dog of all the power of the bulldog, but with the um, athleticism of the terrier, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that was the ultimate goal. In the early days, and the, the first dogs registered, you know, they're nearly all bulldog crosses, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and it shows. You see there's a terrier type of dog, you'll see a bulldog type of dog, and then you'll see everything in between. So. I guess at that point, you know, dog show made sense because you could then really establish what the direction was and, you know, what dog should be used going forward and to try and establish the type, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was a goal. And I think they reached that goal around, around the 20s. I think they had a really nice looking dog. And then, um, you know, well, before the 20s, I guess when World War One broke out, they had to send their dogs, right, to the war. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, after that, then they did the police dog uh, test the exams. So actually the famous uh, Stephanites was a, a judge for uh, the boxers to show what they could do. And he gave them, you know, uh, you know, he gave them uh, great reviews and said they were fantastic dogs. And, and that kind of pushed them on to, you know, becoming the police dog, right? That kind of pushed, pushed on. And then in 20, 1924, I think, or yeah, 1924, I guess, they were, um, you know, named as a, as a, a police dog, a working dog, right? And they, so the height changed a little bit. They were, you know, usually about 22 inches high. Mm -hmm. And then because they got the, uh, you know, the police dog certification, they went up, they kind of changed that height a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they went up to like 24 inches, which is what the dog should be, a medium sized dog. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the kind of, the kind of background, the history is, is, you know, a dog bred from working dog, working bulldogs and mastiff type dogs. And then, uh, you know, but for the purpose of being uh, a military stroke police dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, kind of, the show world kind of started to take over as usual, right? I mean, they did definitely have, had a purpose to establish the type. And they did have working exams yearly. 
now not many dogs were at 10 and then those you know used to have anywhere from uh, 10 dogs 20 dogs mm-hmm. for the, the yearly uh, police dog exam right mm-hmm. but then you had a lot of that was for that that just specific mm-hmm. exam but then you had a lot of dogs titled during the year the records are all there in the in the bk right mm-hmm. so the dog was definitely foremost to, to be a working dog and it's just, and it's it's written that way as well, right? It's not to look like a... Because at that time, before that, you know, a lot of people would put a dog down and say, well, it's another type of bulldog. Mm-hmm. Well, another type of per bulldog, they would say, right? Mm-hmm. And so until they actually developed the dog that they wanted. So it was to kind of, you know, all that's right for the boxer is is uh, wrong for the bulldog, right? Or all that's right for the bulldog is wrong for the boxer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the history of the dog. So it was always first and foremost uh, to be worked. But as, as every breed, I think uh, once it gets to the to the show world, right, the show takes over, and some uh, you know an exaggerated an exaggerated characteristic uh, you know comes in, and and then they uh, you know jump on that bandwagon, and it gets fixed in the breed, and then it just becomes worse, right? And same 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 for almost every breed, I think. Yeah, for sure. Right, so, so uh, as I was saying earlier, when I first got the boxers, I started training them, and it was basic uh, basic obedience kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So I was training all different dogs at that time. And then, uh, you know, I read in these uh, magazines something about uh, Shutsan, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. So I kind of dug deeper into that, and then I started training my dogs for the obedience uh, phase of that and uh you know enjoyed it and then the tracking i did what wasn't quite the sport tracking it was more uh, free range tracking for like an article in the grass or whatever mm-hmm. and let the, let the dog work itself um that kind of stuff and the protection was very basic just uh you know had a homemade sleeve kind of thing and what kind of run and let the dog come, come and catch me kind of stuff right so just did that by myself um and then the, when i was competing with dogs it was purely in, in the show ring for a long time and then uh, you know and then it took a long time there was no clubs really in Ireland it was, it was only German Shepherds you couldn't get in with, a, with your boxer right so it was disappointing but um, by the time uh, you know I was coming to Canada or whatever I thought right well the next dog I want to just do shut on so I don't want to get into the show world and you know it's probably not a good place to get into the show world with a European dog uh, in Canada right right but I did I did show her uh, I did show her twice she was she won her class twice, but it's no uh, great feat because she's the only dog in the class, right? Win by default, right? And then I did. Then I did go visit a few clubs, and, and Canada has a great, uh, you know, shut time. Well, it's IGP now, great community, working dog community. And I did find a few clubs, but the first clubs I found, I didn't agree with their training methods. Um, you know, didn't like what I was seeing or what, like what I was hearing. So, uh, you know, I wasn't a newbie in training dogs, and I didn't. Uh, if I don't agree with it, I'm not going to do it. And then um, I asked um, president of the, the uh, USA Box, which is the German boxer club kind of thing, uh, equivalent mm-hmm. of America, and he put me on to uh, to a great trainer here, and I went to that club and didn't look back, and I kind of really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Learned a lot of, you know, it's more precision than you would think, right? And uh, yeah, that was it. And I had a dog that I could uh, work well with, especially in the obedience phase. She was very, very good dog. Um, and then my young dog. I'm at a different, uh, different club now. A club with a, a 
top world uh, world class helper and, and handler and they represent Canada at the world championships kind of on a yearly basis almost mm-hmm. and um, my young dog is there and he's doing fantastic he's, he's got great obedience tracking I'm kind of very lazy with the tracking but he's a natural tracker so I don't have too much trouble and in protection he's just a pure natural dog I did he's fantastic grips are they're full solid and uh, the helper actually uh, really likes the dog so that's great to hear from um, a guy with such experience right yeah and he actually really likes this this boxer right and you know you find I, I don't like to call the boxer the off breed because I would say they're one of the original breeds so whenever I hear the kind of alternate breed or off breed I gotta disagree with that statement right they were one of the one of the few at the start you know the German Shepherd the mm-hmm. Rottweiler the, the Doberman Giant Schnauzer mm-hmm. Airedale and Boxer right yep. they were all the, the, the first kind of dog but yeah the sport's dominated by the German Shepherd and the Malinois well mainly the Malinois now I guess Shepherd people don't want to hear that but that's the fact mm-hmm. yeah so it's got uh, the difference I don't really like you know I like the, I like those dogs for sure those breeds I admire them. Their athleticism is like super. Their working ability is you know, fantastic. But they're hard to live with, dog. Right? They're not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't recommend them to first time to a first time owner. I wouldn't even recommend a boxer, a real boxer, to a first time owner either. I think they're too much energy, and you know, they need they need to be trained or worked. Well, like, and I'm talking about a real like a working dog, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, you could take an English dog as a first-time owner. They're very soft dogs. But yeah, so yeah, that's really the difference, I guess. Uh, yeah, I know you see some good dogs in the other breeds. Some great Bouviers, some great uh, Joint Schnauzers. I don't see any. I'm the only. I think I'm the only person in Canada working the boxer in the in the sport. Right? There is um, other people working in other avenues for sure, but I think I mean, my female was the first to title in it so I don't know anybody else and I know nearly everybody in the boxer community so I wish more would be out there and more people could see a, a boxer work yeah no doubt right yeah like you see you do as I said you see the other breeds and you see some fantastic dogs in the other breeds and, and they're few and far between as well right the breed the sport is dominated by Malinois German Shepherd but um you do see the odd, uh, you know, really good, Roddy, really good, dope, schnauzer. Don't see boxers coming to the club. So can you uh, talk about, like, what uh, what qualities do you see in a pup that you think are, uh, are going to be good qualities to maybe compete on the field? Right, so, you know, firstly, you got to spend a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. Right, so I like to like for my own if if my own uh, dogs or if I get you know close access to a litter, I go see them as much as I can, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of just like to watch them mm-hmm. without having to do any tests. Right, just watch them, see how they play to play and interact with each other. Right, see who's winning. Mm-hmm. You introduce an, an item or something like that. You see see which puppy's gonna win it. So for me, I had a small litter, three puppies, this last litter, and uh, you know I'd introduce a uh, you know. Uh, pull tie or something like that mm-hmm. I'd purposely give it to a, one of the pups and then leave it and see who, who, who has it well within a few minutes my, the pup I ended up keeping will have it <laughs> uh, you, you know firstly he'd let the, the other one be running around with it and then all of a sudden I noticed oh, well he has it and he's lying he's lying down with it kind of thing okay interested and then I take it from him and I give it to another puppy and he'd win it again and he, was all, he would always win 
no, he was a for boxer puppy. He was pretty hand dog. Like he wasn't as hyper as they usually mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I noticed about him also was when when they were you know play fighting and getting into a, a bit of a scrap. He was never to start it, but he'd always finish it, right? So he'd be pushed to the point where, and then he'd, he'd you know, really force home the message. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd get the dog away from, but then he'd go after it again, mm-hmm. and kind of showed this kind of not dominating uh, like characteristic, but you know, a, a winning kind of yeah. quality, right? Right. Right. So then, then they get a little bit older, and then I start doing my little tests with them. So you know, I take one of them out into a different room that they've never been in and I kind of, you know, do a few little tests and I see, you know, how how willing is the dog to pick up a foreign object, right? Or, and bring it back to me. Okay, how willing is he to engage in a tug fight and how much strength and fight does he have in it? Right, well, what's he like to loud, uh, surprise loud noises and stuff? Does he does he react to it? And if he reacts negatively, does he recover quickly? Right, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And this, the puppy I ended uh, I kept, you know, the only bad thing he had was he wasn't willing to share his toy with me. Mm-hmm. That, was the only, that was the only thing I thought, okay, obedience might be a struggle, but it turns out it hasn't been a struggle at all. He's actually, he's actually pretty compliant and pretty mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. obedience dog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I would, look for a, I would look for a puppy that's uh, strong-willed, for sure, that, that you know, likes to win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, does, doesn't get startled easily, can, can uh, go into a new room with his tail up and, you know, happy disposition. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to. It's hard to really say it. I like. I have to see. The, I like to see the dogs. Right. Right. I like to see them play with them. Even just in play, just watching them play between themselves, you can kind of see which dog, you know, would be more suited. And then when you take them out separately to play with them one to one, you can kind of tell, you know, the differences. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to say, but it def- definitely a dog that likes to win. For sure, for the sport, uh, likes to bite, likes to fight. And the one thing about this puppy is he put everything into it. Mm-hmm. He would give him something to, to tug on, and he put his whole body into pulling, pulling backwards, and really winning it. And the grips, the grips were genetically, uh, you know, fall and calm, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's hard when you're picking sport dogs. It's hard. I like to see as much as I can of them. Right. Right, and some, and some, some of the breeders in those breeds in the Malinois, you can probably take, you know. Nine out of the ten, the puppies, and they could be top working dogs, right? Right, right? It's not the same when you're when you're doing like uh, the other breeds, right? You kind of really have to pick the best. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them ones I know certainly do breed, and they, but not often. They breed every like uh, once in a while. Mm-hmm. Then you have big name breeders that, as I said, you could probably you know by just by purchasing their a dog from them, you know it's going to be a good dog, right? Right. right. Um, yeah, there is differences, and then there is some people that are top sports people that don't breed. They mm-hmm. get their dogs from, uh, you know, dogs with good dogs behind them, right? Right. Uh, good cattle, mm-hmm. good, good, got good, a good reputation. Mm-hmm. They take that dog, and they and because they're excellent handlers and excellent uh, dog people, they know what to do, mm-hmm. right? They know mm-hmm. to, how to work a dog and how to develop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of these top guys, yeah, they do. So the answer, yeah, most most I think do, mm-hmm. and then some of them. Some of them don't, right? And then you have people that also breed but don't work them. Right. They breed working dogs. Right. right, right. Whether they're whether they're um, old or didn't or they just didn't have the time to actually train dogs yeah. to that extent, right? But they use all the the right genetic material to produce the dogs, right? Mm-hmm. 
I know I know for a fact that some of them in Ger- the German Shepherds have heard that, that kind of way where the guy doesn't actually do much of the uh, training this bit, but he definitely sells them to be top of the conducts. Right, and this is the thing where you kind of, if you're a good, a good trainer with experience, or you've you know watched the sport long enough, you can you can see the dog from the training, right? Uh-huh. So you can see some really well drilled dogs, but it's not a dog I would use, uh-huh. right? So he might score very well because he does everything correct, but uh, you know when you really watch the dog, you know you see weaknesses and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Then the opposite, you see a dog not so well trained, but he has it all. Right, mm-hmm. he, you know he's he's great in the in the protection phase. He's a you know, natural tracking dog. Obedience is maybe lacking because of the handler's uh, you know experience or quality of training. Right, mm-hmm. so you kind of you have to see one from the other kind of thing. Pedigree does make a big difference, I find. So uh, the dog I have now is probably my best ever sport uh, prospect. Right, so even going back to my other dogs, I had some really top you know hard dogs. Uh, going back but uh, they always lacked something and, and they were never bred purposely for sh- for uh, for working right mm-hmm. they were uh, show pet breeding and we were kind of lucky to get a dog that had something about it where this this dog you know on his father's side his father's a top class working dog I, you know seen the videos of him when I went down there I worked for a very small amount of time but you know you can see enough in that time and his breeding is all is all working dogs. Mm-hmm. His whole his whole pedigree is, is top working dogs. And then the puppy just comes out and he's a natural to it, right? With with his mom and again you're you're kind of comparing a female and a male, which is not fair. But with the mom she was she would do anything but it was more for the willingness to uh, to make me happy kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The willingness to please she, she she was fantastic that way. But you could tell, you know, especially in some of the phases or some of the the tasks, she didn't love them. This guy just throws his whole self into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a difference between males and females. So I would say definitely pedigree makes a big difference. The dogs have been worked, they've been tried, they've been tested, right? Right. You know, you know what you're gonna, you can kind of know what you're getting better. Where if you have show dogs, well, what's the likelihood when if they haven't been worked in 60 years, right? What's the likelihood you get a good worker dog? And you can only kind of tell that when you put the pressure on the dog and you have you're training it every day, right? And yeah. You see how to respond. You see how to respond to it, right? So I definitely say genetics yeah. is a, a huge uh, importance. Right. First thing. First thing would be to find the right club. Right. Right. So do a lot of research into the, the right training methods. There's a lot of people out there that you know I don't agree with their training, and I won't listen to them, and I won't uh, go to their club. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you get the then you get the real top trainers. You can kind of take anybody, any novice, with a good dog and get to a certain level, right? Right. So I'd say do your research into your trainers and, and have a look at their history and how, you know, what they've done in the sport and what their club members have done in the sport, right? Because they could be good by themselves, but they might not be good at uh, relaying that information, right? Right. So kind of have a look at what the club is doing. Right, then have your, take, take your puppy along and, and uh, watch. So watch and listen. I'm always on the field. I'm always watching everybody else's dog, everybody, uh, all the other handlers. I'm watching and learning all the time. It's a constant learning process to sport, right? You're always picking up something. Mm-hmm. You know, people coming through seminars, you're thinking, well, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. Let's try, let's see how that works for me and my dog, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say get involved in your club. Go as often as you can, although people will get out to me for that because I don't. 
I'm not, I'm not always there. Mm-hmm. But uh, go as often as you can. And when you're there, listen. And go get onto the field and walk around with the train uh, director and listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Listen to why they're saying it and ask them questions. You know, these good, the good trainers will talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and if you see something you're saying, you don't, you can't see why they're doing that at this point. Maybe a foundation step for a later uh, part, right? Ask them, oh, why are you doing it? They'll explain to you, right? So get, I would say get as much information on how to train the dog for the sport as possible. Right? Mm-hmm. And your first dog is always going to be your kind of practice dog. Mm-hmm. Unless you've been training dogs for a long, even if you've been training dogs for a long time, your first dog is kind of you're gonna make the mistakes in that dog. Right. Right. But do, but but yeah, for sure, go do it. Spend as much time as you can. Club, talk to them. Watch, watch everything. Mm-hmm. And then practice it. You got to do all the practice as well when you go home. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you're training by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've we've uh, we're an all breed uh, club, right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen. Uh, well, there's obviously the Shepherd and the Malawan, then uh, we had a Rottweiler, uh, Doberman, uh, Bovier, um, what else have we had there? Uh, even a border colleague, uh, you know, that's around, uh, she doesn't go to her club, but I know of her, right? I've seen her dog train, that was kind of fun, mm-hmm. very smart dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else, uh, other breeds do we have there? A giant schnauzer uh, comes every so often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, there's the, the Grand Dial as well. Uh, very into the Belgian Shepherd. And a Turf, I've seen one Turf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a quite a range of uh, mm-hmm. of breeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, even actually a Springer Spaniel one time as well. But she didn't do, she didn't do the protection phase, she just trained in the obedience and the right. tracking. Right. Yeah, so for me, what a breeds I would have, I do have experience with some pit bulls I would like to try one in the sport, maybe. Right. But maybe not because of, I always feel if I have time for that, I should have another boxer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but say, let's, uh, if I'm talking fantasy, yeah, I, I would like to try a pit bull and see how it gets on, see how it gets on with the pressure of training, right, the obedience aspect of it. Because it's huge pressure. Right. All, that, all the obedience work, right, for a dog. See how they see how they cope with that. And then um, other dogs, uh, you know, I'm always so I'm a big fan of terriers, bulldogs, and, and mastiffs, and especially the fit running mastiffs. Uh-huh. I would like to maybe try a dog of Argentina, see what they're like. Right. Um, the Spanish Alano, I know they're recreated. At the Canon Corso and the Spanish Alano, you know, the recreations, they're not what they were. They're not pure, there's no pure ones left. People that talk, oh, I have this pure line of Cane Corso or whatever. It's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's well known or but boxer was, you know, used to recreate them, right? And same with the Alanos. Right, right. Uh, but boxer was introduced to recreate them as well. Those breeds, uh, especially the kind of course I don't really have interest in. Definitely the Dago Argentino, I'd like yeah. to see what he's all about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen them at the show rings and you know, and I've seen lots of videos of them, but yeah. uh, I mean, I've never seen them really high obedience uh, level work. I'd like to kind of see that. Spanish Alano, although it's a recreated dog, yeah, I have big interest in that. Uh, even from like a long time ago, before anybody heard of the, the breed, I used to try and research it. There was very little information out there to, to find. Now, now it's everywhere, right? So as a breed, I kind of try and find the most rustic type. 
wouldn't be into like the modern ones. I know they're all kind of they were recreated using uh, you know boxer and pitbull and other breeds. So even the doggo, I, I think as well, uh, documented uh, pure doggos uh, bred into them. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, I'd be interested in the adult kind of dogs. Yeah, so the pitbull I'd like to try in the sport for sure. I've had a few. I've had some experience with that dog, but I've never had any experience with the dog Argentina. I'd like to see. Let's see what I could do with that. And the Spanish Alano, if I could get a really rustic one, but it'd be hard to find one. And uh, yeah, see what they're like. That's probably it, really. I mean, I've had it. I've worked a Rottweiler. I don't think I'd want another one. I've seen them in the sport enough. I see Doberman all the time. Don't really want a Doberman. Uh, yeah, that's probably it, really. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, small dogs that still interest you? Yeah, well... I love I love the real dogs. Like if you're gonna go a small dog, it has to be a real one. Like the Jack Russell I had was absolutely fantastic dog. She was a terrier man's dream, right? But right. in the wrong hands kind of thing. Yeah. She would have been, you know, perfect on a farm, not in the suburbs. Right? But, but she she any work she did, she found by herself kind of thing, right? She, she'd be down the river and she'd come out with a rat or something, right? Or, right. Or a bird or something, or, and uh, you know she was always up for a scrap. And that dog was a for me is the ultimate Jack Russell Terrier. Mm-hmm. She was the right size, she could get down kind of any hole, she'd stay down there, right, she'd be down there for a long time. Uh, she'd bat light and kind of take on the world kind of dog. And I just had that, you know, love for her. Will I ever have one again? I don't know. I think she was kind of hit the, put the benchmark pretty high, right? Yeah. Um, smaller dog, like the Staffordshire the staff Bull Terrier, I always have a, a love for her, so I'd probably, maybe, the future I'll probably get one of them they're not very common over here you don't mm. see any like I, I haven't seen one stuffy ball over here 